So when we when we set out to build Herbal, I was never building it for next year. We were really building it for deep into the future. Um, and you know that foundation, if you think about a foundation of a 50-story building, looks very different than a foundation of a one-story ranch house. Um, we really built that 50-story you know foundation so that as we scale the business and as we grow, you know, uh, and add things on, so to speak, um, that the weight of that, the foundation is more than capable of handling it. So I think as you, you talk about servicing a market this large and this geographically, you know, significant, um, we really had to build something early um, to be able to accommodate that. And that meant, you know, building, we were always building ahead of need. This is Lit and Lucid, your after work de-stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host, Lit. And I'm your host, Lucid. And we're going to take you on a journey. A journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back. Consume your favorite cannabis products. And get cozy cozy in the the Lit and Lucid lifestyle. lifestyle. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. You guys, I can't believe we are wrapping up another season. It seems like these episodes have just been flying by these last couple of weeks, jam-packed with some amazing guests and stories along the way. So make sure you check out all of the episodes we've had so far. But today we have Mike Beaudry. He is the founder and CEO of Herbal, joining us from California. Mike was previously the president of United Natural Foods, the largest natural foods distribution supply chain company in the U.S. After attending his first cannabis trade show, he was struck by the similarities between natural foods and cannabis. And as a result, Mike decided to spend ample time learning all about the cannabis industry and then successfully launched Herbal in 2016, which is now the largest cannabis supply chain company serving 98% of California's stores. So we are so excited to learn more about Mike's company and what he's learned throughout his journey in the cannabis industry. With that, welcome, Mike. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, you, you gave a good uh, jump off point. And so what I'll do is I'll talk a little bit about uh, my background prior to Herbal, uh, what led here. You mentioned United Natural Foods. I spent, you know, the better part of three decades in supply chain and distribution and it was really during that time and then the 10-year stint at UNFI um, that those, those learnings along the path uh, is what really created the thought bubble for Herbal in 2014. Um, I began review of, and I'll say research in the cannabis in 2014. And, and you know, pausing there for a second, I say 2014, I was the kid in high school with the, you know, pot leaf belt buckle and smoking weed every day and might have sold a joint or two here and there. Um, so this was not a new thing for me. Um, you know, I obviously from my youth, I was, you know, a big fan of the plant. So it was a, I'll say a, a coming back to, and the research really led me down a, a rabbit hole. And that rabbit hole led me to a, uh, the trade show in Vegas in 2014, uh, MJ business conference. And it was in that moment where it really, um, you know, I saw, you know, something very special. And what I saw was, I felt like I went through a time machine and, you know, the, the natural products industry had obviously very large, sophisticated trade shows at that this point. And I felt like I was going back in time, what it must have looked like in the early years. And what excited me was the correlations between the natural channel and this and, and that being small independent brand, small independent retailer, 
the distributor came into the middle and really supported both both aspects of the business uh, and the business grew and grew and grew. We know the rest of the story, but um, you know, it was, it was during that time that 2014 and 15, I spent time at those two trade shows, did a lot of research on my own and decided to um, resign from my job five years um, you know, after UNFI. For five years, I was a CEO of a dietary supplement company serving the likes of CVS and Costco, et cetera. And it, it was really a, a moment where I felt like I couldn't miss what was about to occur if it, about to, if it was to occur. Um, if we didn't all get arrested and it didn't actually get legal. Um, and I made the bold move. I resigned from my job in December 15, moved to California in February of 16 and began the journey. And the journey really ended up a two and a half year journey in full-time due diligence in California prior to launching the business. And really that was, that diligence was, you know, making a lot of friendships and relationships, really understanding how the business, you know, in California operated and what I felt would be the right model to to roll into, you know, when we finally got live and operational. We launched the business in August of 18, so two and a half years after I got here. And really since that time, it's been another part of the journey, which is almost three years now of, of really taking all of those learnings from supply chain, you know, and traditional business, merging that with a lot of amazing folks who we, that are on our team with, ex, you know, extremely deep experience in cannabis and creating this, I'll say, hybrid team and company that is really honoring the legacy of the industry while putting a lot of professionalism into the supply chain itself and allowing the industry to scale. Tell us about your natural, your experience in the natural foods industry and kind of how did that prepare you for the cannabis industry? Did you immediately notice any parallels or did you just look at it as an opportunity to, to kind of start fresh and, and build something for yourself? And that's a great question, Jared. What I felt was uh, extremely highly correlated my early review of cannabis was small independent brand, small independent retailer coming together. And what I felt at the time in 2014 into 15 was, you know, I, I couldn't imagine that this could actually come to be without a supply chain in a more traditional sense emerging from that. So really the the idea behind Herbal was born out of that, you know, out of that moment. Clearly a lot of work had to happen after that moment to to I'll say prepare us to launch the business and step into the space, but really that was it was truly born out of that correlation between the natural food space. So for our listeners who don't really understand what that means, like a supply chain company, what exactly is it that you do? So what we do is we purchase products from brands, um, from multiple brands, um, call it around fifteen hundred unique products, and we bring those into our warehouses throughout the state of California. Um, we create a catalog. We have about 30 people out into the sales effort in the, in the market in field. Um, and then the customers order from our catalog and we collectively bring those products to the retailer. So the dispensary places the order via our catalog and you know online. And then that order is collected, uh, picked and shipped and packed uh, out of our, one of our warehouses and then delivered to the customer on one of our trucks. So I know here in Colorado, it's kind of difficult to, you know, get in touch with dispensaries and get on shelves. Um, we also have a client out in California, and I heard it's very competitive out there. Like you even have to like pay for shelf space or something like that. So what would be the benefit of going through a company like yourself versus a company going in there and like pitching on their own? Sure. So what happens, Lucy, is if, if a brand were to self-distribute, which many do, um, it's really about scale and and effort and i'd say focus so 
if a brand says, I want to also, I want to be a brand, I want to do all the things necessary for that. And I also want to be a, to distribute my own product. They'll have to build, you know, each one of them would have to build warehouses, have trucks, have teams, have sales teams, have all the things that a distributor has. I think the benefit is, is the aggregation of that. So if our brand, when, when we speak to a brand about being in our catalog, it's they get put into our catalog, which therefore they get put into the warehouse and they're part of the of the process in which we go to market with the, you know, the dispensary. And it just really it's it's a simplification, I'll say, and an aggregation for the brands as opposed to each one of them having to individually, you know, conduct that effort themselves. That makes sense. In Colorado here, we really don't have a, a distribution model. I know there there's kind of a model where there's some delivery companies and. And even that was kind of kind of really hard to, to work around with companies when I first started back in 2016. And now since they've got like delivery licenses that companies can apply for, but it's still not a delivery model like like is in California. But the flip side of that is I feel and I would love for you to correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but uh, this kind of distribution model that you guys have in California is very similar to what like a wine and liquor uh, may partake in. Is that correct? That is correct, Jared. Yeah, I would say if you look at some traditional food or beverage, obviously being alcohol, um, very, very similar um, models. And if you so if you think of Cisco Foods and servicing all the, you know, the restaurants, et cetera, around the country or Southern Glazers doing all the liquor stores and event centers and restaurants, um, then I think you'd, you'd find a very similar model. Whereas they align with the brand, they buy, they actually buy the inventory from the brand, bring it into their warehouse, aggregate it and then sell, you know, a, a significant amount of product to the, you know, to the retailer in their, in their case. That makes sense. Do the dispensaries like working with like larger companies like yourself, where they're just going through a catalog versus having to go through individual people? Is, is that just like easier for everybody? It's a really great question. Early on, Lucy, it was, it was a bit of a struggle because it was such a, it was such a shift in the way they, they did business for a long time, which is, you know, each brand individually went in and spoke to the buyer um, so it took a minute before um, the distributors, you know, probably in 2016, I'd say at any type of scale, distributors started entering the space. And it took a minute to get the uh, dispensaries' heads around that shift. I think today, if you saw it, it's, it's relatively commonplace. Uh, and in the case of Herbal, we've aggregated um, many of the top brands. So it makes, our, it makes life easier for sure. Um, for the dispensary partner, as we go in with, you know, they can meet with a person and then the, the you know, the certainly the brand specifically sales folks and really aggregate those orders and, and really have a, a much simpler uh, way to do business than if they were working with the number of brands, you know, that we have in our catalog. Okay, so I have a follow up question. Mm -hmm. uh, this might be getting into the weeds. But so like here in Colorado, we have a lot of conversations with companies and their struggle to make sales in the dispensary. And a lot of our initial thoughts is, well, you need to, you know, create greater connections with those individual dispensaries and the bud tenders and the people actually pushing their products. So how does that work for your guys's company when you're representing so many different brands? Sure. How does that relationship get fostered? Yeah, it's a great question. So what happens basically is we we actually have all of our brands have their own set of sales folks as well. And while it's not completely redundant, I would say it's supportive. So if you think about an herbal salesperson being in market um, and supported by one of our, our brand partner salespeople, what happens is they have a much smaller number. So we have, you know, in total effort, we probably have close to 30 people 
um, dedicated to the sales effort. And that's from, you know, leadership to account managers to inside salespeople, um, where a brand typically would have anywhere from, you know, probably as low as three or four to as high as eight or nine folks themselves um, in market to do exactly what you're talking about, to build those relationships, making sure they have the support systems in place for marketing and promotion, et cetera. Um, so we really do work in collaboration with each of the brand partners and the sales teams, both sales teams in market, you know, all work together and know each other. So if, if a particular brand says, hey, this store, this product, I want to make sure that, you know, we're talking to them about this on the next call. They they work, you know, jointly on those type of things to uh, to go to market. I like that. That makes sense. Yeah. It, it almost kind of makes it easier for the brands to come to market because they don't, uh, like you said, have to hire like a whole sales team for themselves almost. They can just kind of kind of bolt themselves on with you guys and kind of be off to the races. You know, there's 850, roughly speaking, Jared, there's 850 uh, retail locations between brick and mortar and direct to consumer retail in California. Um, that's a pretty big team if, you're, if each brand <laughs> was to try to support that. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, and California is a big state too. That's big, a lot of miles. A lot of geography, exactly. So <laughs> even when you say, hey, this person covers 40 dispensaries, depending on where that is, that's a, that's a sizable geography. Yeah. Jared knows that all too well. Oh, man. So I was the sales guy, but I, I represented a farm. And so I was the one in Colorado. And Colorado is much smaller than California. But man, I put like 40,000 miles. miles. <laughs> I put like 40,000, 40 to 60,000 miles a year on my car, which was yeah, no so fun. So when someone says, you just got to go to store, you know, dispensary A, then dispensary B. Well, that's great. But in, as you know, in LA or San Fran or some really busy pockets of the state of California, that can be, you know, that could be ours, you know, right. just getting the other. Yeah. And then like taking the time to cultivate a relationship. And a lot of the time these managers or the butt tenders are already busy and they're just trying to like run the store and upgrade inventory and manage customers. And then you pop in and <laughs> I used to have my cute face on and, and then usually <laughs> sometimes they turn me away at the door. Like we don't have time for you, man. You got to like shoot us an email. So after a four hour drive, <laughs> after a four hour drive. Yeah. yeah. So I could see where you kind of like expedite the whole sales process in a way. Um, yeah. But I kind of have questions, though. I just want to kind of, bu- uh, of bounce back a little bit because I'm curious. You came into this whole thing really early and it, and it sounds like the timing of this, um, you really kind of helped to, to kind of get California going in a way. And so I'm kind of I, I kind of want to know what hurdles did you guys run into and kind of what were your pain points and just getting kind of this whole system and kind of the, you know, the different things kind of working and grooving up to this point? You know, as you can imagine, because you know the space so well, both of you, um, there were a lot of pain points, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, I'd say some, you know, probably some of the most obvious ones looking backwards now is as much as as we have experience in, I'll say, large scaled supply chains, and we, we, we built something to do that. What we probably didn't account for well enough, especially early and I'll call it in, you know, in early 2018, when we were first getting started and operational is the rest of the industry, you know, was still coming from a, a certain place. And that certain place, you know, came from a legacy place where it was in the Prop 215 era. And it was a very different, you know, scenario that that they were operating in. And, you know, suddenly it went to finished products and had metric and track and trace and all these things. And there was what we didn't probably realize and, in, in, you know, we under indexed for was that was the sheer fact that maybe maybe the dispensary and the brand um, also needed support. So we, we put some things in place pretty quick to, especially on the brand side, to really help our brands, I'll say, you know, get ready for this, this kind of new way of doing business. And that new way is 
there was many brands that were, you know, especially from a from a flower perspective, that was selling into dispensaries, uh, you know, unpackaged, and suddenly it's packaged, and there's lots to know there. Something as simple as, you know, well, what's a cell pack? Is there should you sell 10 of something in one small box? And then if that box is tiny, does that tiny little box end up in a master case? Those are all the type of things that we worked with suppliers from the start. Um, and it's not really something we probably saw, you know, very clearly until we got going. Um, and then we, you know, we've done a lot of that since. But it sounds simple. But if you have a three inch by four inch by four inch box and you think that's what you sell in and then you don't take that box and you put it into a bigger box, that makes the supply chain pretty complicated. Yeah. Um, so it's it's again small little building blocks, but we've had to we've had to you know really partner up with um, with our brand partners especially to really to be able to bring something to this dispensary that was really looking at it through their lens. How do we make the dispensary's job the easiest? That's all of our roles are to serve the dispensaries. That's 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 really the supply chain's role. Is ultimately how do we remove barriers and obstacles so that when the dispensary gets product. Uh, how do we make that the easiest experience possible? Interesting. So I know that you also have, you know, some teammates on your team from FedEx alongside yourself at UNFI, as well as Spartan Nash, which is a grocery supply chain company. Do you feel like those individuals and those skill sets also helped, you know, bring and build Herbal? For sure. Um, this is this has been a um, truly, you know, that old saying, it takes a village. Um, it really has taken a village. Um I, I like to say to people that I, yes, this was my idea. And yes, I founded this, the company and I started it and got it started, if you will. But really what happened was it was, you know, it was a giant canvas and I had paint and brushes and started inviting people. Can you help me paint this painting? Because it's a big one. Um, it's going to take some time. So <laughs> we were fortunate to get some folks to join the team from with deep experience in supply chain. At the very same time, we were also probably even more fortunate to um, to attract a number of folks who really have deep experience in cannabis in California specifically, whether they were in some level of you know, dispensary retail, or whether they were growing or doing broker positions. But we have a very, very strong representation uh, and a deep you know, understanding, high IQ in cannabis uh, in California. So that's that's the other piece that's probably missing from the from, a, you know, from the website, so to speak. But that's really what we've built is this hybrid team. Yeah, I love that. I think I saw that on one of your press releases or something, uh, because one of my questions initially was like, how did it feel coming from corporate America into cannabis? Because <laughs> I know a lot of times, you know, people aren't really into that. But I can see on the flip side, especially in this type of situation, how your specific skill set from the natural foods industry would be able to help the cannabis industry and make them better versus you coming in and maybe just becoming like a grower or something like that. So Lucy, I would tell you that if you if you went back in time and, and interviewed folks that I graduated high school with, if you said, hey, um, Mike Beaudry started a you know cannabis distribution company, they'd be like, yeah, that's obvious. You know, <laughs> um, so so I think what happened in my career is, yes, I was that kid in high school. Um, and then I went into business at a young age and then the rest is history and family and kids and all those great things. Yeah. Um, and so coming back to cannabis for me. Uh, I was actually the guy who couldn't stand corporate. Um, it's, it's the reason I left corporate in 2010 is is frankly because I I just I felt like a misfit, um, <laughs> and cool. I don't I feel like this is my place and it's always been my place, um, and it was never corporate America. 
um, myself and and others on the team, we kiddingly call ourselves corporate misfits. Um, <laughs> we've all thrived at that, you know, in those corporate companies and, and large scaled, you know, positions. Um, I'm not sure if any of us actually loved it along the way. Um, whereas now we're this collection who've taken all those, you know, all those years of experience, applying them into something that, frankly, we're way more passionate about. And don't get me wrong, I love the natural channel, always will, um, and learned a lot, made a lot of great friends, and um, and and the, the industry is extremely correlated. To your point, even though yes, like a company like UNFI, when I left in 2010, we were a five billion dollar company with about five thousand people. We were the still pretty far away from corporate comparatively <laughs> um, well. because that industry, if you went to a trade show in the natural channels, especially, you know, in the, in the nineties and two thousands, you'd sway around a cannabis convention because there was as much cannabis happening at a trade show in natural foods as there is a, as, as a typical cannabis convention. Yeah. That sounds fun. <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of like that in the corporate misfit, I was going to say you guys are almost positioned uh, truly for success because you you probably have all the knowledge and the experience and the efficiencies of how corporate America can become successful and, and both, you know, physically and, and logistically successful. But then you guys are also, it sounds like you're down to earth and you chill and you guys like to have fun. And I, I feel like the, the best companies and the best cultures from those companies are the ones where, you know, everybody can get the shit done at the end of the day, but then still have fun. And it sounds kind of like, you know, not to be crass, awesome. but you guys are having fun at the same time of like really being successful and figuring this stuff my, out. My favorite line, Jared, is from our, you know, we have in-house general counsel. And even if we have a bad day and we're, we're together as a team at the end of the day, he'll say, well, if nothing else, I'm a, uh, I'm a cannabis lawyer. How <laughs> right. could life be bad? <laughs> that's so awesome. Still a good day. That's still a very good day. I might have to use a form of that. That's like, that's pretty uplifting. It's like, well, things could always be worse. I like that. Well, you guys, um, and you may have mentioned earlier, you guys serve something like 98% of California storefronts, which is incredible. And you guys have over, you know, a thousand plus SKUs from leading brands. I'm curious, you know, beyond what we've already talked about, you know, what makes you guys so successful to, you know, encompass essentially 98% of California storefronts? You know, I think it started at building an infrastructure that's, that could support that. Um, because of the muscle memory that myself and the team have, we've all scaled things pretty significantly over, you know, over the course of our careers. So when we, when we set out to build Herbal, I was never building it for next year. We were really building it for deep into the future. Um, and, you know, that foundation, if you think about a foundation of a 50-story building, looks very different than a foundation of a one-story ranch house. Um, we really built that 50 story, you know, foundation so that as we scale the business and as we grow, you know, uh, and add things on, so to speak, um, that the weight of that, the foundation is more than capable of handling it. So I think as you, you talk about servicing a market this large and this geographically, you know, significant, um, we really had to build something early, um, to be able to accommodate that. And that meant, you know, building, we were always building ahead of need. So that meant we had far more trucks, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of profitable trucks early because we were running trucks to get a brand or two brands somewhere far away yeah. from our distribution center. But we knew that was the only way to really build it and then build the confidence um, with the retail partners. And that's really how the, the foundation started. And I think, you know, we've got some inertia that happened over time, which really allowed us to gain more brands and then more retail doors. And so that's really just been a culmination of three years of hard work and you know, I, I would I would attribute most of it to pretty amazing team that we have uh, at Herbal that uh, that does a tremendous amount of heavy lifting on a daily basis. 
I love it. Reminds me of the movie uh, Field of Dreams, and, and if you build it, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so, Jared. That's, That's awesome. Really yeah, that's how I see it. Like if I was a brand in California, I'd feel like left out if I wasn't with Herbal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like what, what am I doing? Yeah. What we've seen happen, Lucy, and this is from the Natural Channel, you know, over time, um, UNFI was the leader in that space and still is. Um, but over time, what happened was something very, very much what you just said, which was if you weren't in the in the UNFI catalog, you probably were going to struggle in the market because we had the attention and the execution and the infrastructure and the technology to support, in, in that case, the whole country. Um, but very similarly, uh, there, there does come a break point where, um, hey, we need to be part of that catalog because it's really important to the dispensary partner. Therefore, it's really important to the brand. So that's, you know, it's it's a building block thing where it's going to take some time. But that's that's really the effort that we're that we have underway. That's like FOMO, right? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Well, speaking of really cool brands that, you know, I wouldn't think maybe would need your help, but I saw you guys just recently partnered with Cookies. So tell us a little bit more about why they came to you and what they're looking to do in the future. Sure. That's a great example of they were they've they've been obviously been in market a long time. Great company, great brand. Um, and what they what they came to the conclusion was if they were going to scale the business, they needed a partner that could scale alongside them and really support them in that scale. I think the partners they've had prior uh, could bring them to a certain point. Um, but I would say that infinite scale um, isn't something that other the other partners that they had chose prior could do. And so when we began the conversations and sat down, that was really where we hit first is what what is Herbal built? What are we where are we going from here? What are our capabilities compared to the you know others in competitors in the market. And I, I think we really felt there was a fit. And, and for us at Herbal, so much of what we do is people first. And you know, we've got to fit with the people on another team, or frankly, we don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they're they're a great team led by some really smart people and obviously an amazing brand that's gonna, you know, we think be <laughs> very quickly be a national type brand. Uh, they're, they're well on their way already. Um, so I think that was really just a testament to uh, supporting what I was just saying about if you you really, it starts at building something that can truly scale. And then brands that want to scale and or at, at scale, it, it becomes a requirement, you know. Um, so that's that's where, you know, that, that conversation was, was born out of that place. And then ultimately, two teams that really hit it off really think similarly and felt like we could support each other, you know, as we grow. That makes sense. I think it's a great relationship too. And, you know, just kind of the optics on the outside looking in, I think it's a great fit for both of your companies because it's almost natural. You know, Cookies is well positioned, I think, like you said, to be a national brand. I think it conveys a lot of trust and has like a lot of consumer sentiment that really just drives the brand almost. And, no question. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, once it scales, I mean, New York's about to go uh, legal, it looks like. And I mean, that's just yep. going to be the end of the East Coast once New York kind of gets it up and going. Um, yeah. yeah that's that exciting. Kinda, yeah. It kind of bl- brings me to my next question. Speaking of New York and all these other places, do you have any plans of expanding uh, outside of California? Yeah, we sure do. Um, you know, what we did, Jared, is when I when I first started this mission, the, the one thing that I, I was watching early is... A lot of folks were trying a lot of things. Um, I kiddingly used to say, I'm not that bright. I'm just going to do one thing. Um, so and what that really meant, what I really meant by that was I knew that we had to build something 
you know, first. Something meaning the center of the supply chain is very complicated. Distribution's a very complicated business. And uh, I knew we had to get that right before we did anything else. And that included, you know, the same exact effort in another state, because anytime you do that, there's going to be, we're diluting our effort here to do it, right? We would have had to take a certain amount of team and effort and energy and put it elsewhere. So we made the conscious decision from the start that we were not going to pick our heads up until we could look at each other at a table and say, we're ready. And it was relatively recently we said that. Um, huh. we're very, very disciplined to say, yeah, we might be ready, but we, we can't say it definitively. So let's just keep our heads down, continue to build this, really refine what we're doing, get better at what we're doing. Um, and and then, you know, recently that's, that's the place we came to. And, and as we look at the rest of the country, um, we're going to do the same, you know, I'll say surgical approach. We're not going to just blast out and, and try to open, you know, six states at a time. Uh, we're going to look and say, where's the where's the top three, four fits for our model? And we're going to attack those one by one. Um, and we'll do the same thing. We'll build a really solid, deep foundation with the right team and the right tech. Um, and we, we feel we can take this model very successfully across the country and compete with anybody uh, in any state. I like it. Yeah. I think now really is a great time. It looks like there's a lot of momentum on legalization. And there's a lot of states also that in my mind are kind of reaching this maturity level where they're starting to stabilize. There's, you know, uh, predictable sales, predictable markets, predictable consumer habits. Uh, and all, I think all those things are just leading to, you know, market maturity and really expansion. I'm even hoping at one point, and I'm sure you guys would probably love it, it'd probably make your job a lot easier, which would be something like interstate commerce. Yeah. And, you know, for the for the short term, at least interstate commerce, to me, at least, you know, how we look at it is I think step one of that. Um, and again, one person's opinion here. But step one of that, in, in our opinion, looks a, a bit more like the alcohol model where, you know, when 21st Amendment, which obviously was a repealing prohibition um, and then setting up a three tier distribution model, et cetera. Um, we think it probably would end up something similar, at least in the near term, hmm. which means that state by state, you know, would still be, um, you know, probably something similar to as you're seeing today. I think the flex that could occur is maybe brands could ship to another state to a distributor. Yeah. Um, but I, I think crossing the state line, if you will, with product that's that's being going like, for instance, if we went from. California to an you know um, adjoining state and said hey we're going to go cross the state line we're going to deliver to that dispensary on the other side I think it's going to be a minute before you see that because hmm. the reason it was set up on the on the alcohol side the way it is and, and that was in 1933 still in place today is because of tax is really uh, you know making sure the tax is in the right place so um, I'm not saying it couldn't go another way I'm just saying they have a model to follow and I could see um, you know governmentally I could see the, the, the government saying hey. This is at least we have something, a jump off point uh, and something, a playbook to go by. So if it does that, then that's still OK for us. I, I Listen, I think the first huge step and the next huge next step is some type of decriminalization, federal legalization, um, loosen up banking, get rid of 280E taxes, all the all the really big, troublesome things that still yeah. uh, are part of the industry. That makes sense. The only thing I see with that, which it creates a lot of problems for a lot of different companies, especially as they're trying to expand into other states. And for instance, we do a lot of digital marketing and we have clients in California and Colorado. And uh, just as something as simple as their packaging is totally different. And so yep. we have to continually take new product photography and update things and update that. And, yep. and, you know, there's different things as far as like what California requires that you have to include on your packaging and, and within your marketing. And there's just all these different rules and re regulations 
in between each state and it makes it extremely difficult for, uh, you know, like adjacent companies to work within it, let alone the brands to kind of scale properly and have like some type of like, uh, you know, efficiencies of scale or anything or economies of scale just because it is so localized to the state and everything's still basically in, in like a silo within the state and it has to be, you know, like all the products have to be tested in the same spot. So that's the only thing that I think, you know, maybe interstate commerce, you know, maybe wouldn't solve, but maybe, you know, federal legalization would maybe help to streamline some of the regulations and get stuff uh, on par with the other states. Yeah, that would be a that would be a nice outcome. Ultimately, <laughs> I, just, I think. And by the way, I don't think you're wrong. I just think it's going to be a minute. You know, I think it's so much. That's such a Herculean effort um, and that it's going to take some time to, to work that out, especially being the fact that you've got states that have set up certain regulatory schemes, got them voted in you know, by the voters, yep. et cetera. And, and unwinding that type of stuff is, is going to you know, yeah. be pretty interesting. Yeah. I can almost see states, if there was federal legalization, states almost saying we still want it to be a state issue yeah. and still regulating it within their state. That's, so I've, That's what I believe. That's how I see it personally. Yeah. That's yeah. because it's. It's the most simplistic next step, right? So it's what happened in, you know, that's exactly what happened in 1933 with prohibition being lifted is the federal government said, yes, it's illegal, but yes, the states, you know, you, you guys figure it out. Yeah. Um, so is that what's still happening now? Is that the states regulate alcohol? They do, uh, state by state, Lucy. So um, to my knowledge, there's only, there's very few, if maybe one or two that I'm aware of that states uh you know work together to crossing the lines with alcohol um distributors are actually state by state uh mm. they they operate within the state very similar similarly to cannabis whereas with different rules in different states but then what about production do you still have to produce in your own state and distribute? So that's yeah that's that's yeah that's that's what's interesting so jack daniels is made obviously in tennessee and then shipped around right. the yeah. world um so they did allow for that but what happens is they actually have to ship to a distributor in the in the state they're shipping into, and then the distributor has to distribute within the state. Okay. So, so that's how they've they've kind of put guardrails around the tax problem and collecting taxes appropriately. Is they've really put a lot of that burden on the distributor. Nice. So then it would really would come back to you guys in the form of cannabis to almost help these brands expand into other states. Mm-hmm. They're almost like 100%. waiting for Herbal to go to Colorado so they can. One hundred percent. That's okay. that's. That really is where we see this going is imagine if, you know, let's let's go for a second and say three years from now we're in 10 states. Well, that means in those 10 states we're operating in, we can help brands, you know, what what whatever direction that would be. So we've got a great brand that has this innovative product and and we're in Nevada, then we could take that brand to other states. And, you know, same thing, obviously, with California to other states. And so we see a real opportunity to help brands, you know, uh, scale. Uh, across the country. It's exactly what UNFI did in the early days. Obviously, they didn't start as a national company. They started as a as a very regional company and then expanded and expanded and expanded ultimately to be a to be a national company. Interesting. Well, very, that's very cool. Thank you for educating us. On that. Kind of like full circle. You yeah. really did like a, this thing really kind of came around to where now it's like the flipping light bulbs going off. It's like, oh. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> I like that. Well, for speak- me, it's funny you said that. For me, it was when I started looking at cannabis in 2014, the light bulb for me was, wait a minute, I've done this my whole career. <laughs> right. This yeah. is the center of my plate. And I was like, and it's cannabis? Is somebody kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what was so exciting for me. Uh, I was like, imagine if I could, you know, end my career where I started it. That's kind of how I kiddingly told my friends. Yeah. Um, I love that. 
No, I can see why there's so much excitement behind that. Like, I would be dying if you're like, oh my gosh, this I could just like, do this. Like a dream come true, yeah. really. Yeah. I was the biggest part early, guys, as you know, is is honestly, when I first moved to California in February of 16, 16 was still very unknown what direction this was going to go in. Yep. You know, Jeff Sessions and all oh, that. Yeah. And um, so this was this was still an unknown. And I was I felt like I was either, you know, on, on the on the right side of this or the wrong side. I wasn't sure for a long time. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, what is one final takeaway that you've learned from shifting from the natural foods industry to the cannabis that you can share with others looking to take that leap from corporate America and move over to the greener side of life? <laughs> so listen, if you're in corporate America, you probably live in some type of, you know, regimented life that um, is very much the opposite. We are in in cannabis. I like to say we're in still in the first inning of a long game. Um, so if you want to be part of something that's exciting and frankly, you know, um, very necessary, um, there's so much bad stigma on cannabis and there always has been. That's lifting, you know, I'd say by the day and certainly generationally as the younger generations come up, that'll that'll drift away. But, you know, the learning I've had is, you know, if you want to be part of something fast and exciting and dynamic, that's cannabis. If you want to be part of something that's very regimented and, and frankly, if you want to have 12 meetings to make one decision, stay in corporate. If you want to make 12 decisions in one meeting, come to cannabis. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we're all sold. <laughs> we're already here. <laughs> well, I know you also had some exciting news regarding an acquisition that you guys just made recently. Do you want to share some news? Yeah, I sure do. So last uh, last Tuesday, we announced the acquisition of Blackbird. Um, super, super excited. Amazing team, amazing company. Um, you know, we had we had talked to them starting last, I'd say, December, January of this year, somewhere in there. And, you know, what we realized right away is very, very similar companies from a culture perspective. We're a very culture first company. Um, it's very, very important to us, everything, you know, to do with our employees and how we how how we treat them, what they get for benefits, and all those things matter to us deeply. Um, and we found that you know that first synergy was that is that you know um, they had built a very similar culture company. And the other piece of it was really they built something very complementary to us. We focused for the last number of years on building this um, you know this very highly scalable supply chain, but in a physical sense, they focused on it from a technology sense. So they. They did some amazing work, built some really, really quality software starting in early 2015. And it's software that really powers um, e-commerce and uh, and B2B for dispensaries so that, um, you know, they're in 400 plus dispensaries today across the country in 23 states. Nice. Uh, so we really we really got something incredibly complimentary to what we do, as well as, you know, right in our sweet spot in terms of, you know, still the supply chain. Um, but really an extension of what Herbal's, um, uh, I'd say, qualifications and, and um, that we've had prior to that. That's pretty exciting. I could immediately see the synergy between the two. And and really, I think it's a natural fit. And I mean, man, that that's like pretty solid to land in the summer of in 2021, especially coming out of a pandemic and people kind of like working together still. And who knows what you guys can figure out you know, from here forward. Yeah, we've got big plans. Like I said, starts at an amazing team and they've got that. Um, and they've done some great work and we really look forward to putting the, you know, the two companies together and, the, and I'll say two heads together and really lean in towards, uh, you know, pretty big future. Very cool. I think the sky is the limit for you guys over at Herbal. <laughs> That's what we're hoping. <laughs> That's 
That's awesome. All right, Mike. Well, we are the Lit and Lucid podcast. We have one final question for you. Are you lit or are you lucid? I'll be lit in about uh, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I I'd say you're it, probably man. pretty lucid too. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty cool. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time, Mike, to, to speak with us really and, and teach Lucy and I about the whole distribution model and how this whole thing kind of fits into this big puzzle of cannabis. Yeah. And it sounds like it's really almost the big picture of cannabis that I didn't even realize that yeah. I think, you know, distribution is probably going to be more of a, a point of discussion probably going forward as more states legalize and as these brands begin to to kind of grow out of their home states and kind of expand and, and go across the nation. So we will be keeping an eye on Herbal and keeping an eye on you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, guys, I really appreciate the, uh, the invite. This has been fun. Um, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. All right, you guys. Well, that's a wrap on another season of the show. So I <laughs> guess with that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And that's it. Laters. Laters. <laughs>